0: Welcome to the Maternity and Midwifery Hour, brought to you once a week by the Maternity and Midwifery Forum. This podcast is supported by Matflix, video streaming from maternity experts. All your CPD needs made easy. If you need to get your revalidation done or have a student project complete, Matflix is
1: the one stop shop.
2: And welcome, everybody, to 2023. A very happy new year to everybody and welcome to the Maternity and Midwifery Hour. This is series nine part, and it's week one and we're going to have a really interesting session. We always have a really interesting session but I know it's going to be really interesting tonight. Um, my name's Sue MacDonald and I'm the curator of the Maternity and Midwifery Hour and the Maternity and Midwifery uh, festivals also, and it's my pleasure to be chairing the session this evening. Now, I'm going to just flag up if you ha- if you get a question while you're listening to our two wonderful speakers, jot it down so you can put it into the chat box, and and we can get onto the questions around quarter to eight. Um, and tonight we're joined by Kay King and Amity Reed, and they're both from the White Ribbon Alliance. And as we always do, because we're a bit sneaky, we're going to ask them for a moment of the week just to get them started. So you can get used to the sound of their voice. So perhaps I
1: could ask
2: um, Amity for her moment
1: of the week. Hi,
2: Sue. Nice to
1: be here. Um, (laughs) My moment of the week is something that is both good and scary, I suppose. Um, (laughs) My husband and I signed up to do a, a big house extension on our property that we just moved into over the summer. So the building work will commence soon. Oh my goodness. So is there going
2: to be a foundation stone laid?
1: Oh yeah, everything. (laughs) There's things being torn down and built and all sorts going on. So it's going to be a, a fun six months. (laughs)
2: oh wow well i think anyone who's watching will be have their sympathies with amity because you know even if you paint one wall in your house the whole house is a a complete chaos so having an extension is mega so well well done for that and good luck amity thank you you for sharing that and how about King? Have you got your moment of the week? Yeah, so we'll
0: go for um, my son's ninth, ninth birthday this week oh. on Tuesday and the request to cut his pancake into the shape of a Minecraft pancake, which I, I really don't understand Minecraft at all, no. and um, realised that if I made him a waffle instead that it was slightly simpler because it works on blocks. So, um, okay. yes, cutting a cutting a waffle into the shape of a nine is much easier than a pancake should anybody ever need to to do that. <laughs>
2: I think we we may have to put, we wanted to have some magazine features. So it sure. may be I an mean, idea for people to think we've about. Got so we've got photographs, we've got photographs. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And that's got me thinking about cakes and, and the sort of challenges, because I notice on things like Facebook and Twitter, people often post the most amazing cakes Um, And I'm always very, very... No, those days have gone for me.
0: They they get a pancake, that's it. Now,
2: Kay, (laughs) you could have have got away with that. (laughs) We've all been just impressed. We will stay impressed. (laughs) But thank you for sharing your moments of the week. Now, I'm going to just say another big welcome to all our our audience and, and just remind you where we all came from. And that's not completely where we came from, but the Maternity Midwifery Hour has been with you since March... 2020 since the beginning of the pandemic and we started it to make sure we could have midwives student midwives actually anyone who's interested in maternity care um, to be able to be connected and have chunks of information at a time when you couldn't go to conferences you couldn't go to study days and it was very difficult to keep up to date and also have something else to think about apart from work which was extremely stressful so we started the maternity hour and it's going from strength to strength and we're not talking quite as much about uh, the pandemic and about um, COVID but we still have it in the back of our minds because it's still there around and causing problems still Um, but it we're because we started this um, we're very we're kind of celebrating it this year as we come into our third year just to remind you everything is recorded and you can access everything for free and you just need to go to Matflix and have a look and find out what's there now if it's your first time of coming to maternity midwifery hour we do have the top 10 um maternity hours from last year and that's on the resource sheet that's on the um, live feed at the moment so do have a look if you haven't because there are some fantastic sessions and actually every week for me is fantastic because every week i learn something new and get my brain kind of going with it with what's being spoken about and thinking about different things. So it's really good. And it's very fantastic if you are doing a, an assignment, a, a project, uh, any any sort of project in the clinical area, or, of course, if you're coming up for revalidation, it's a really good resource to, to refresh yourselves and, and kind of reflect and think about it. Um, and also, of course, there are box sets. So if you prefer something a little bit more curated, our lovely Dr Jenny Hall Does some curating of box sets. I'm getting very used to these box sets idea. I know you can sit through loads and loads of them. And these are fantastic. But there's a small subscription for that uh, service. But it's a very good way if you're very short of time, you want to really focus in on something. So you can have a look on Matflix and find all about that. But in the meantime, just remember you can share. So tonight you're going to hear some really interesting material and really something for you to think about and share out. And we'd like you to share. And you might think as you're listening to Amity and Kay, gosh, this is new. I think my colleagues need to know about this. You talk about it to them. We love you to share. You might want to share the clips with them and it will be available on all sorts of platforms and on the podcast on Friday morning, six o'clock in the morning those of you who want to be out jog, jogging listening to podcasts fantastic so do share because that's really part of you kind of assimilating the information but also getting the information out that's fantastic so i'm going to say a big thank you as all i will do for everybody who's been working so hard over the christmas break and a new year for those of you who kept it going all through it we seem to always have some people with uh, there's been some horrible colds around and flu as well and it's meant that everybody has to work that bit harder and it's i seem to see that say this every week but it it's there that's the way it is but a big thank you to everyone because i know it's hard at the moment in the nhs it's hard when there's all this talk about the strikes and there's, it's hard when the nhs is so pushed so a big thank you and just keep going because You are fantastic. But what you must do is look after yourselves because you've got to. You've got to look after yourselves. We need you. We need you, every single one of you. So I'm going to also say a bit about news. This is my quick news flash. There's not such a huge amount. I think it all becomes taken over with some of the politics, but I'm going to keep off that this week. And I'm going to say about the New Year's Honours. Now, I was really absolutely thrilled to hear that our professor marion knight who's spoken at one of our uh, festivals and you'll all know from the embrace reports and based at mpeu got an mbe in the new year's honours so big congratulations to marion that's fantastic and julie goff who is a long-term mid long-time midwife and long-term midwife I think at Ulster Hospital who got a BEM for services to midwifery in Northern Ireland so huge congratulations now there's only that's only one midwife that I know about if you know about any more please let us know because we can then celebrate I did feel when and I've been through pages and pages of them and I couldn't see that many midwives I think we need some more so that's your homework for those of you who can do that um we do need more midwives on there cuz so we need to celebrate them even more than we do in our, ourselves okay we've still got the industrial action being talked about and rumbling on and um, even though we're hoping there's going to be some movement in the actual negotiations i think a little bit one way maybe i'm trying not to be too political um and also i want to celebrate that it was the student experience event today which went very well in london and i know a lot of people joined in their uh, watch parties and I, I think huge well done to everyone for keep for getting that on the on the go um and of course that's all recorded so you can catch up with us as well um great day as always it's always lovely when you can meet people face to face even though we can have this lovely zoom meeting face to face is is good too so, and the other thing, ah, the Isle Midwifery Awards. Now, if for those of you who are thinking about a big course or a little course or d- developing development of some, some sort or project in your local area, your local unit, check the Isle Midwifery Awards. Again, the link is on the resource sheet. There are awards applicable to students, midwives, midwives in all fields, and they go from five hundred pounds to twenty-five thousand pounds. Now, obviously, the twenty-five thousand pounds one is a big piece of work, but have a look and think about whether there's something you might be able to use in your work. So it's fantastic. Okay, well, I've. This is ten. This is ten past seven. Perfect timing, Sue. Okay. Now, this evening, we're looking at safer beginnings. And now it, I'm going to say this very carefully because I don't want to get the words wrong. Increasing self-agency in maternity is a way of reducing violence and harm. And we're looking at the development of a new set of resources to increase self-agency in relation to reducing violence and harm in midwif- maternity. And it always makes me feel awful. These words about harm and violence in mid- maternity and midwifery, This it feels wrong. So this is going to be a challenge to me just thinking about it. This does include a new free from harm resource that's been co-produced with partners in the Safe, Safer Beginnings programme. And so I'm so pleased that Amity and Kay are with us this evening. And I'm going to introduce, first of all, which I'm thrilled to introduce, Kay King, who's the Executive Director of the White Ribbon Alliance UK and Campaign Manager for Childbirth Choices Matter. She's a birth activist, author and doula, for loss-informed birth, and she splits her working week, I don't know how you fit all that in, Kay, in between White Ribbon Robin Alliance and All4Maternity, where she works as the business development manager. And she's currently involved in the campaigns to bring respectful maternity care into mainstream curriculum on relationships and sex educations, global What Midwives Want campaign to gather the voice and needs of midwives across the world, service user voice campaign to obtain a national picture of incidents of substandard care for minority groups accessing maternity care systems. So we're really so delighted that Kay is with us this evening and welcome Kay, the screen is now yours.
0: Thank you so much, Sue. Um, wonderful, wonderful to be here with you. I'm going to do a little update to my bio there. just to say oh. slightly outdated. I uh, I no longer split my week. That's that's from last time I was on. I no longer my split my week, unfortunately. Um, but I am full time with White Ribbon Alliance, which is an absolute pleasure. So still very much connected with All From Maternity, but yeah, full time with White Ribbon Alliance. So. Thank you so much for having us here, Sue. It's an absolute pleasure to be back on um, and just really, really strange in many ways to be in a position talking about the Safer Beginnings Programme, which has been um, my lifeblood for the last (laughs) year um, in working with Best Beginnings and White Ribbon Alliance to deliver this phenomenal programme of work. It feels very strange to be at a point to be talking about the end of the programme, you know, when we give so much of ourselves to these things. But uh, also a pleasure to be here with Amity, who's worked tirelessly on this programme with me uh, at White Ribbon Alliance. And I'm really delighted to be in a position to begin to share. So just as we as we launch in, I want to really offer the space to all of you watching today, all of the participants here today, just to say we are talking about some quite challenging things around um, Safer Beginnings. It is a programme that has been focused on domestic abuse, um, obstetric violence and birth trauma. FGM female genital mutilation and female genital cutting there are topics within what we are discussing this evening that are hard to listen to hard to hear and also, I'm very aware, might intersect with personal experience, which obviously we're not here to provide any psychological or clinical support, but really just to say I want to offer that you hold yourselves well this evening, that if things are hard to listen to, please just take a moment and step away if it if it's not right for you to listen to, and that is hard. And, and it is a, an introduction to what we've been looking at. We're not delving deeply into those topics this evening, but talking about the program we won't be skirting around some of the the challenging things that we have listened to heard experienced in the last 15 months on this program so please just look after yourselves well as participants in this evening's session and make sure that you step away if it is getting challenging to listen to at any point so safer beginnings is a program of work that began 15 months ago and the it is a real passion project this program of work for me. Um, and I'm I will start from a very personal place just in introducing it, which is that my work in maternity and birth work has always been informed by personal and lived experience. I was a victim of a very severe childhood sexual abuse and trauma and repeated repeated rape in my childhood. And that intersection of where violence and harm then shows up in our own maternal journeys has always been something that has both fascinated inspired and and driven me really to to working in this space and so when we when we saw that the department of culture media and sport were releasing programs of work through the tampon tax funding um that addressed this i i jumped on that in the first round and unfortunately we were unsuccessful and in the second round we were successful with this program so just to say this is is where we are starting from and i will now just share my slides with you
2: OK, all good.
0: So the programme of work introducing Safer Beginnings, as I've just said, it was, it's a self-agency programme of work that's inspired very much from a personal place of passion. And, and really, I, I've always been quite curious as to how my personal labours, births and pregnancies have been spaces for me that I actually found huge amounts of healing and huge amounts of empowerment and restoration from, from previous trauma because of my labours of birth and that has challenged me in many ways into thinking well why why when we're looking at this from a place of trauma would my births and my labours be something that I found empowering and something that had that healing potential for me what was that within me that led me to use my labours and births as an opportunity to find that healing, as an opportunity to reclaim a lot of the bodily autonomy that was taken from me in my early years. And it got me fascinated on this concept of self-agency. What does it mean when we actually look at what we need to heal from, to recover from, to come out of or to avoid situations of violence and harm? There's an urgent call of act- to action that we all know where this intersection of violence and harm, whether that's domestic abuse, whether that's FGM, whether that's obstetric violence against women and girls, also intersects with maternity care. We're at a time in our lives when we're pregnant where we're not just thinking about ourselves, where we're also thinking about that second, that third, potentially fourth, fifth, however many children we carry, and We're thinking about the lives of others as well as ourselves. Um, and it's a time of our lives where we require... Stability and support. Um, where if we're in a partnership or in a relationship, we're probably looking to the other parent as well to be present. So we're not just thinking about ourselves at this stage of life. We're also thinking about that whole support structure and society around us is telling us this is this should be a time of celebration. We should be joyous. There should be you know positivity. There's new life coming in, and and often therefore that intersection of where violence and harm is present is something that is hugely overlooked um for, for people entering into their maternity care from a societal perspective and then it's compounded by where we are at the moment this crisis in maternity the nhs in a really really challenging place and the desperate disparities in outcomes that we're continuing to see for minority ethnic minority ethnicities within that space all of this culminated into this project plan for the the safer beginnings program which was funded by the department of culture media and sport through the tampon tax fund and delivered in partnership by Best Beginnings Charity and the White Ribbon Alliance UK, alongside a number of delivery partners who I get to talk about in a moment, which is great. So the aim of the project was for us to work to create new resources, for us to work with 70,000 women by the end, by 2023, 13,000 of whom would be from ethnic minority communities in England, Scotland, and Wales. And to do that, we really looked at what resources needed to be created to reach that number of people and hopefully more because they are resources that stay around they are resources that are there in and embedded into many different places for a long period of time and our focus areas from the beginning of this were self-agency in relation to safety from obstetric and domestic abuse or violence fgm and fgc this is the the Best part of the program for me. And this is the fact that at the very beginning, in the very heart, we worked in co production with leading charities and services and campaigns, as well as specialists in the maternity sector that made the program really unique. And I all have eternal gratitude to all of the partners that you can see listed there. And there'll be many familiar faces and, and logos within that list, but we've had the joy of working with a really, really incredible cohort of partners on this program. And also, A lot of partners. It has been a a very interesting space to bring 18 delivery partners together um, to really go, okay, what do we know from our lived experience, from the communities that we're working with, from the communities of need that we are serving, what do we know on this topic of self-agency and how can we pull all of our voices together to begin to explore what's needed as as further resources. So yeah, just a moment to really offer my deep, deep gratitude to every single one of the partners. Everybody's been really generous with their sharings, with their insights we face some real challenges that we've had to get through together just on differing opinions on what's needed and and how to create things. And working with so many different people just administratively has been a real challenge. Everyone has worked tirelessly to kind of come together for for this program of work. So the format for that and working with our partners, the format really, we, we came together as 18 delivery partners in a space on Zoom. All of our delivery partner meetings have been virtual and we began discussing topics. So we would have one person leading a mini conversation um, which led around the following topics so we spoke about FGM and FGC, we spoke about sexual trauma, about obstetric violence and birth trauma, domestic abuse, stigma faced by men and birth partners specifically in relation to violence and harm, coercion and consent, safer relationships, safer care, signposting, the art of asking, recognising violence and abuse and harm experienced by healthcare professionals as well so where there's violence and harm present within the system of maternity itself and within those we then all generously shared lived experience and resources that we had ideas that we had for what needed to be spoken to and reached a point where we then were able to map out a series of resources that we felt were needed to be co-produced together and at the heart of a lot of what I've spoken about this evening you'll have heard me repeating this word self-agency and it's very light touch we're on limited time this evening and there's a lot that I want to share with you but self-agency has been at the center of this this hasn't been about how do we go out and just run just training courses or what do we need to change within the system this has been about how for individual women and girls can we reach a point where people understand what it means to have self-agency so we've obviously had to do a lot of work at looking at what does that term actually mean and self-agency really is when when something within us or outside of us doesn't feel right and it's about having the confidence and the knowledge and the resources to enact change in our own lives and I was very aware as I said at the beginning that that's something that's that I've that I've somehow gained myself so how is it that I arrive at this place of my labors and birth having the confidence and the knowledge and the resources to enact change and to have a positive birth and labor outcome It's about self-generating action towards safety, and it requires us to have health and social literacy, two things that are at the heart of what we do at White Ribbon Alliance, ensuring that people have got access to health and social, social literacy, and that our communities are there for us to turn to and support us. It's about having the ability to influence the outcomes of one's own world and experience and to enact change in our own situation we need to know that there is a better alternative available to us and that's been really key and at the heart of what we've we've spoken about in a lot of the resources about knowing that there is something and a better alternative often in situations particularly around domestic abuse it feels like it's hard to envisage or see that there is another way that there is a different circumstance a different way ahead of you that you could find that safety within and just to say that that's also then been um, supported by research, which is being undertaken by UCLan, uh, one of our partners on the programme, where Black and Asian research leads are exploring what it means to help serve agency in, re- in relation to reducing or preventing violence and harm. And that piece of work actually culminates slightly later than the end of the project that will be available from June this year, that research piece. So what have we created? We have created Safer Beginnings content for the Baby Buddy app. Any of you familiar with Best Beginnings will know about the Phenomenal Baby Buddy app. Um, and it covers a series of films and articles that are just, I'm immensely proud to have worked on these films alongside all of the partners. Um, and it also has written material alongside those articles to offer guidance and practical tools. A new tool, which is called the Emotional Safety Plan for Baby's Sake. I could talk about this just in a whole midwifery hour itself. A brilliant new tool created by For Baby Sake Trust, um, which is there to support the family to recover and, and ensure that you've got emotional safety. So just as we talk about creating a birth plan, an emotional safety plan is also a new tool there for us to share with people. The White Ribbon Alliance Free from Harm resource, which Amity is going to be speaking about in more detail afterwards, is a resource that contains a training, offer, and advice for professionals, raising awareness of harm minimization during the perinatal period. And all from Maternity have also created new e learning practitioner guides, which is for midwives and healthcare professionals on all of the topics discussed. They pull on the films that, that I'm soon to be sharing with you. And just so that they're there in links, if you are accessing the slides afterwards, either the links to where all of those resources will be sat, I am going to um, delve into one of them in a moment, but just to flag up that Safer Beginnings culminates in two conferences, one which is specifically aimed at service users and charities, and one that is aimed at healthcare professionals and they are open and live for booking. So please, if you want to know more about this programme, meet the partners, then please do book a place. They're free to attend conferences on the 10th and the 3rd of March um, being hosted by Neil Stewart. So that's great. I'm going to stop sharing on this and just come into another screen share to share with you a preview of the films. And that will be the end of my presentation. So I will just leave you with a preview of the films that are embedded into the um into the baby buddy app
2: having a baby can feel like you're on an emotional roller coaster i wanted more children but due to the traumatic
0: experience i had with my firstborn um, i didn't feel like i could go through it again When my youngest child was born, I was really worried that I wouldn't get
1: emotionally attached to my new child.
3: We've created a tool to help you think about and note down what you might need from the people who will support you along this journey. It's called an emotional safety plan. Knowing that everyone was fully aware of my situation as it was gave me lots of reassurance and confidence. It was massively reassuring to me to have support from my husband and my midwife. Download the
0: plan, then fill it out with the things you need to help you feel safe, calm and supported. Domestic abuse can affect anyone, male or female, low paid or wealthy, gay or straight.
3: When I was 18, I was pregnant. I experienced a lot of like mental and emotional abuse financial as well. I thought, well, we can't carry on like this. This is my baby we're talking about, and I don't want them to grow up feeling like this and and actually believing that this is normal behaviour and this is what a loving relationship is. Domestic abuse can take many forms, and it can be a single incident or a series of incidents, and it can be physical, coercive control, including psychological and emotional abuse, sexual, financial, and also digital abuse. If you find that someone's shouting at you, if you find that you're being called names, if you find that you're being put down, um, all of those things are what we would call red flags, they're things to look out for in the relationship. Pregnancy is a great opportunity to disclose or talk about domestic abuse relationships because often it's the first time you're in contact with a healthcare professional or it's even the first time you've been asked about your relationship. Anyone talking to me about domestic violence, the one thing that they're worried about is being judged. And the one advice that I would give to anyone is to don't be afraid and there is a way out.
0: It's taken a lot of help and support to make it work, but it's worked, you know, we are co-parenting and getting on and both of our children, they're happy.
3: Definitely reach out for help. Like there's no shame in speaking and breaking your silence is actually liberating there are services that are there to help it can be a little bit of a roller coaster but it's the beginning of being safer and that's really important so if you recognize you're in an abusive relationship or you recognize that you're using abusive behaviors then it's time to seek help and support you know when i look at my son and I hear him laughing and seeing him smile, as long as I can stay true to that, then I have everything I need. When you or your partner are pregnant and just after your baby is born, you can feel more vulnerable. Part of this is because of a threat response that gets triggered automatically in our bodies. So, we might protest and get angry. This is our fight response. We might feel like running away or just pretending this isn't happening to us. This is our flight response. When fight or flight are not available to us, for example, during labour and birth, we might freeze. We might go elsewhere in our minds and just wait for it all to be over. If we can recognise our stress responses, we can use simple techniques to try to manage them. I'm going to share with you a breathing exercise that you can use at any time. Breathing is the quickest way to tell our body that we are safe. If we take a long, slow breath in through the nose and just focus on a longer out breath out through the mouth, that sends our body into a state of rest and digest and it tells our body that we've got nothing to worry about.
0: pregnancy journey is something that's very unique to you and that's why personalised care in your maternity care is very important. Midwives are actually now working uh, towards giving more personalised care for every woman and this actually means taking into account spiritual, cultural, religious and medical needs for that woman. You may be offered extra
2: monitoring, examinations, medication or other interventions to basically try and help
3: reduce and manage any possible risks that may affect you and the baby. We need to be able to explore women's choices and facilitate it as best as the resources that we have allow for. There's nothing wrong with being persistent about what your needs are. What middle ground could yourself and a healthcare professional meet?
0: Consent means saying yes, and that means saying yes to treatment that you thoroughly understand and have received all of the information for in a way that you understand.
2: If you're giving consent for an intervention, we really want that to be based on you having a good knowledge of the benefits, the risks, and the alternatives.
3: That enables the woman to
2: think about it And to say, yes, I agree or not, I don't agree. And in fact, it's her body, she doesn't have to agree to anything.
0: If you do not understand the information that has been given to you, you can absolutely ask for more time and for more discussion around the choices that you would like to make.
3: Ask for a second opinion, ask for them to repeat themselves, ask for
0: clarity. It is not like a headmaster student situation. Okay, they are the healthcare professionals, but you are there actually as their equal.
3: To educate yourself, you need to think about your options around place of birth, whether you want pain relief, what your choices are in pregnancy. Read as much as you can about what is available to you. If you've heard that you can have something, find out about it.
0: We had a birthing plan, and we discussed things around medication, Um, and we just spoke about, I guess, what kind of birth we wanted to have.
3: So we plan for what exactly you want and then you plan for if it goes down a different
0: pathway. You might also find that what you thought you wanted when you're in labour isn't actually what you want. So you may find that you change your mind and that's okay too. Having somebody with you who understands you and is supporting you on an emotional level offers you
3: companionship and it offers you support. Always have someone who's there to hear the information that sometimes we don't hear because sometimes there's so much going on. There's this, this manly thing in general that you shouldn't tell anyone what you're going through, but you won't be supporting your birth partner or wife if you are struggling yourself. Listening to your body and your gut feeling about what's going on inside your body and finding the words to explain that to somebody can make you feel physically and emotionally safer. It is your pregnancy, it is your body, it is your decision. So always ask for what you want. During pregnancy and birth, you'll be offered choices and asked to make decisions. It's important you understand the options
0: and are able to weigh up the pros and cons so you can decide which one is right for you
3: and if you want to consent to a medical intervention that is offered. Here's a useful tool to help you make decisions. Use your brain. If you need more information from
0: health professionals to understand the risks, benefits and alternatives, just ask. When I started my pregnancy journeys, I knew that because of previous sexual trauma, it was going to be so important to me to have both choice and also to feel informed and to be heard. I chose to tell my healthcare providers that I had experienced previous sexual abuse.
3: I would consider disclosing to them your history because it can be a really important piece of information for us as professionals to know because it might help us understand what's happening or preempt what might be happening for you in the future.
0: Knowing when to say to someone, oh, actually, this is triggering me, is what self-agency is. When you have the power to say something about this, either inside of me or outside of me, does not feel right that has to come from yourself, even if your healthcare professional has it very clearly written on your notes, previous sexual trauma.
3: When you have a positive experience of birth, it's gonna help regain that bodily
0: control that you lost. So there is massive light at the end of the tunnel.
3: I was 16 when I was subjected to female genital mutilation. I just didn't want anyone to know about it. I was ashamed of myself. I was feeling as if it was my fault. I was feeling as if everyone would now know I'm not a complete woman when a woman accesses maternity care should be asked the FGM question. If she answers yes to that question, she would be referred to see the FGM specialist midwife. So it's important that you tell your healthcare professional that you've experienced FGM or cutting because You deserve the best care and that includes support, safety. My first child, my daughter was born a week late on our wedding anniversary and that was just, it was the greatest gift I could have wished for. There's nothing to be ashamed of. There's a lot of help out there. I got the support that I needed. So don't be in silence yourself. You need
2: to go out and seek for help. And remember, it's not your fault that that was done to you.
0: So thank you. Yeah, that's the introduction reel of 15 new films. So you've just seen snippets of 15 films that are now embedded into the Baby Buddy app and form part of the Safe Beginnings programme. And I'm going to have to stop there because I've gone way over my time probably. <laughs> and I need to give a lot of time to Amity as well. So thank you, Sue.
2: No, it's fabulous. Thank, thank you so much, Kay. I think that, that looks, that's a fantastic way of getting a flavour of all the different films. So thank you very much for showing that at the end. Um, and it I've, I've already got a few questions buzzing around. but we'll move on to Amity now because um, we want to squeeze everything in that we can. So I' I'm, re- I'm going to just say that uh, both CVs are online. I'm just going to do a, a, a short, slightly shorter one for Amity, um, Amity Reed, who is respectful maternity care lead for maternal and reproductive rights organization at the White Ribbon Alliance. She's started her life as a journalist, then became a writer. Then, after she had her children, she became writing about the her life-altering experience. Then she became a doula. Then she became a midwife. And she, though she left clinical practice in 2020, she's obviously doing this work, which is really in, important. So welcome, Amity. The screen's yours now.
1: Thank you, Sue. That was a good introduction, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) So what I wanted to talk about is, as Kay mentioned, um, I put together with uh, the help of many of our delivery partners a uh, resource called Free From Harm. Um, I'll just tell you a little bit about why it came about, um, because one of the things we wanted to achieve with the Program of Work for Safer Beginnings was to also reach out to healthcare professionals So clearly all of the resources that went into the BabyBuddy app are aimed at mainly at service users. Um, But we wanted to have something that was aimed specifically at healthcare professionals and mainly midwives. So it is for any maternity care worker. So the Safer Beginnings um, program, um, we decided to make this resource. So it's gonna be available online digitally and it's going to be printed and sent out to most of the NHS trusts in England, Scotland, and Wales. Um, so you'll be looking out for that. Um, but this is just a little uh, flavor of what the, the front of it looks like um, in the back cover. So we've listed all of our delivery partners there. Um, and as you can see, it's just a resource for maternity care workers on respectful care for all. So what does that mean exactly? Um, We wanted to, at least this was my my vision for it, is to not just create another resource that is about telling midwives and doctors and other healthcare professionals about, you know, the harm that's being done to people under our care and um, telling people, you know, we need to address this certainly, but not taking into account the conditions that midwives and other maternity care workers are working under and how that impacts the harm that is sometimes done to the people that we're looking after. You know, as a midwife myself, I 100% believe that no one goes into care work wanting to harm anyone and that any harms that do occur are almost always as a result of structural harms that are in place as a result of things like organizational culture or not having enough support, being in a really high trauma Um, environment with maybe low morale, low support, understaffing, all of those things contribute to people having experiences of harm in maternity care. Um, And what I specifically want to talk about in this document is um, obstetric violence. So we wanted to talk about obstetric violence in the context of not only how it affects women and birthing people, but also how the whole system of obstetric care can actually harm Um, and abuse midwives themselves. So that's why we felt like it was needed. Um, Who it's for, again, I said it's for midwives, but it's also for obstetricians, maternity care support workers, anyone who's interested in and works in the field of maternity. So obstetric violence is the topic we wanted to mainly address within this. So that is the main message that's in within Free From Harm. So we go through some of the background of it, the origin and usage of the term, which is in itself somewhat controversial. So we we do talk about why the term is controversial. Um, Just to give a a little flavor of it, um, the term originated in Venezuela where there is no midwifery presence. And that's why the term is normally called obstetric violence. it, it doesn't mean that only obstetricians enact that violence or harm. Midwives are capable of it as well. Anyone is capable of inflicting harm. It's not about the gender of the person. It's about the model of care. So under the obstetric model of care, the harm is happening to people and that's what we want to highlight. Um, obstetric violence is also, um, you know, it's an individual, a structural or institutional and a policy level problem. So it it ranges very, very widely. It's not about pointing the finger and blaming individuals, though individuals can, of course, control their own behavior and actions. Um, But we want people to start thinking about what might influence them to either be unkind or uncompassionate in their care or to witness it and not feel able to speak up about it, because that's One of the largest things, uh, one of the biggest problems, I think, you know, having been a midwife myself and having witnessed obstetric violence and having seen the impact that it has on not only the families, not only the women and the birthing people who experience it and how it can impact on their future pregnancies, their future births and their whole life, you know, birth trauma stays with people. It can cause very severe mental health issues, emotional damage. Um, You know, it has long-term impact. It's not just that pregnancy or just that birth. But it also can impact midwives. Seeing people experiencing harm or seeing people being harmed and feeling powerless to do anything about it is actually also harmful to midwives. It can cause emotional wounds that can contribute to burnout and to midwives feeling unsupported and that they need to leave the system if they're not getting that support. So we took a well known tool, which is called the power and control wheel. If any of you have worked in domestic abuse or domestic violence areas, you might be familiar with it. This is a model that was um, created in America by a domestic abuse intervention program called the Duluth model. And this wheel, the power and control wheel, they created many years ago to help to illustrate how power and control plays out in domestic abuse. So as you can see in the middle there, It shows all the ways in which power and control are at the heart of the abuse and the harm and the violence that's enacted on women in domestic um, violence situations. So what we wanted to do was take that wheel and adapt it for maternity. So one of the things that we've done within the free from harm resource is to do our own adaptation, which we did through official channels. We worked with the Duluth model people Um, To adapt these, we did this in consultation with many midwives and with service users, people who work in maternity care, um, in charities, Um, and after many consultations with them, we've adapted the, the power and control wheels to represent two different areas. So obstetric violence that impacts women and birthing people and families. So that's the one there on your left. So I know you can't read it, the writing's quite small, but um, it it talks about how it breaks down into sections and so that we can very clearly see how obstetric violence plays out. So it can be physical abuse, things like forcing you to birth on your back, you know, restraining someone, deliberately causing pain. Um, It can be um, sexual harm as well if it's involving intimate areas. So um, anything performed without consent, especially if it's, um, you know, like an uh, a vaginal examination that's been done without proper consent can actually be really sexually traumatizing to people, regardless of their history, if they have a history of sexual abuse or not. Uh, emotional, institutional, coercive, you know, it's the whole, the whole package. Any ways that someone can be harmed within the obstetric model of care is sort of represented in that in that wheel. Um, and what I was really keen to do as well is within this resource is to not again, point a finger and say, this is, you know, people are being awful, this, this harm is happening. Because again, as a midwife myself, I know that no one goes into this wanting to harm anyone. Um, and that there's so many similarities between the, the things that are in place that enable obstetric violence to happen, that also actually contribute to violence and harm happening in the workplace. And I know that might be a slightly controversial view Um, And we do know that some people might find that a little bit shocking, but we felt it was really important to illustrate that there are similarities. So underneath, say, physical um, power and control for a person working in maternity care, so a midwife or a doctor, whoever it is, if you're not, um, if you're being overworked, for example, through lack of staffing, um, you're not being given a place or a time to rest, eat, drink, etc., to attend to your own needs um, having a shift pattern that contributes to poor health, you know, whatever it is, that is actually a harmful environment that you're working in. And that undoubtedly contributes to how you are able to give care, how compassionate you're able to be, how how well you're able to listen to people's experiences and signpost them to the correct information. So again, it's not about pointing the finger, it's about highlighting the fact that these two things go together. And we cannot address and correct the trauma and violence and abuse that are happening to women during their birth experiences without also addressing the fact that midwives and other people who work in maternity care are are not being treated well themselves. It was really important to us as well to include uh, an of storytelling because White Ribbon Alliance, we feel it's really important to listen to people's experiences and not just go on sort of academic research or what we think is right. We want to listen to people's experiences, um, hear those stories and then use that in order to decide what action we're gonna take next. And part of it in the resource that I really wanted was keen to highlight was not only stories from women and birthing people and maybe their partners um, of obstetric violence but also midwives voices. So we've included lots of quotes in there from midwives that were collated through um, March with Midwives. Which is a grassroots organization that hopefully many of you will have heard of that has put on some demonstrations over the last couple of years in solidarity with midwives um, and the conditions that they're working in so we've taken some some quotes directly from them and many of them were in the consultations that we held um, to create this resource as well so throughout the resource um, we ask reflective questions we've put in additional resources opportunities for people to learn more um, training opportunities, various documents that they can read for further training. So it's not a, a huge resource and that it's not, you know, reinventing the wheel, but we've put together and kind of collated all the wonderful information that's already out there and put it together in one place. Because at the end of the day, the main priority, if we want to address unsafe care, which is exactly what we are all trying to address at the moment from the top, you know, the top highest level at government level all the way down to the shop floor worker. Every one of us is trying to address unsafe care. Um, things that have been highlighted in the Kirkup reports and Ockenden report have all picked up on the fact that it's uncompassionate care, people not being listened to, people not being treated well. So it's not just about physical safety. It's about emotional and psychological safety. And that's hugely important for both our workers or midwives and the people they're looking after need to feel emotionally cared for and psychologically safe in order to not experience harm. So again, we've again collated loads of resources. We've worked with several delivery partners. Um, and what we really would like to do is this is just a whistle stop tour, but if you come to any of the, the launch events that um, Kay mentioned earlier, Um, The one for healthcare professionals is on the 10th of March in Manchester, and there we're going to be going through it in much more detail. And also, excuse me, we've partnered with the Point of Care Foundation, which you may be familiar with. They run the Schwartz Rounds, which I know many NHS trusts already have, um, and they'll be doing a demonstration round to talk about the importance of emotional um, support for staff through storytelling and sharing our experiences of what it's like to provide healthcare in the current environment. So that is me. That is it for now. And we are happy to take questions now, I think.
2: Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much, Amity and Kay. Fantastic. Huge amount of information. And it's this must whet everyone's appetite. To actually come to one of the one of well, one of the events certainly the midwives would be interested in the 10th of March event, which is in Manchester. Again, the link is on your resources sheet for that. And we have got some questions coming through. And I'm looking over here because they come onto my other screen. So forgive me if I'm turning round and round about. But we have first of all Juliet Samuel from Essex. Hi, Juliet says, brilliant. Thought provoking. Well done, Kay. Loves it. Okay, Chris Warren is asking uh, why, so in particular, do you think midwives are not respectful?
1: That might be one for Amity. I think it's not a very simple answer and there is no one reason. But again, like I was just talking about, I, I think a lot of it is to do with having Uh, working in a high trauma, high stress environment with low morale and low support. So if you don't feel valued, supported uh, yourself and you feel under pressure, not able to give the the care at the time that you want to, not able to give the women that you really want to look after the time uh, and the care that you wanted to give, it's going to make you feel bad about yourself, not only as a professional, but sometimes personally as well. And as people who care and are carers, we often internalize that and it ends up making us feel quite bad about ourselves. And when people have low self-confidence and low self-esteem, that can manifest in many different ways. If again, if you're not getting support and both in the workplace or personally, everyone's got their own personal struggles as well on top of whatever they're experiencing at work, that's going to just make everything, you know, a hundred times more difficult. And working in such an over, you know, over um, sorry, understaffed environment at the moment is undoubtedly leading to people not giving as compassionate care as they would like. Mm, that's a, and that's
2: brilliant. Thank you, Anity. Because I think uh, we've got a question that kind of links into actually to what you say, which is Alicia Doherty. Hi, Alicia. <coughs> Excuse me. And she is saying, how can, can us on the ground address unsafe care when people above us aren't listening, unable to fix the problem? So it kind of links into what you said. But how do we get those people above us who might actually, to be fair, were probably feeling exactly the same? Because I think sometimes I'm, I'm answering it myself. I shouldn't do. <laughs> Sorry, Kay, I'll let you have that one. Because you looked today, you wanted to say something.
0: We we keep working together to acknowledge it that the you know, just as Amity has just said, that the systems mm-hmm. You know, we, w- we want to live in a space where everybody is free from harm, and that is everybody within the entire system. Um, and the data is telling us that that is not the case. So mm-hmm. we know that the data is is not lying to us. We know that we are working in conditions that aren't safe and that the outcomes, therefore, are p- coming out as, as unsafe. And we continue to fight. So whether that is through campaigning, whether that is through continuing to change the way that we operate within our individual trusts whether that is something within ourselves as practitioners that we need to revisit our calling and 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 the you know why we are drawn into this work whether we need a break whether we need to Mm. you know look at different ways of of our our care being delivered we continue to strive for better we've not been it's not a new thing that maternity care is is having unsafe outcomes you know we've been in a in a in this position for a long time and yet birth continues, and we continue to find new ways. And I think, you know, the work of White Ribbon Alliance, Best Beginnings, all of our delivery partners is to continue to say what isn't working, how do we better serve people. So we get involved with the charities and the organisations that are continuing to advocate and campaign for better. And as midwives, we have huge amounts of self-care and we ensure that we, wherever we can, and I know that that is a really hard thing at this moment, it really is. And, you know, Sue, you began this this episode by saying, Mm -hmm. you know, extended kind of gratitude to everyone for continuing to work in difficult Mm. situations. And I think we we just carry that ethos with us. And we Mm. um, you know, I hate that thing of, you know, the rod of resilience and just being resilient. I don't Mm. like that word at all. I want, I want for midwives to have way better conditions. So hence our hence our commitment to continuing to march with midwives, to continue to support all of the campaigns that are out there.
2: And I think I think what came through from both of you, which I love, is this this whole program for me feels so non-judgmental and so lacking in blaming which is so it's so refreshing i know we use the words and you hear it from certain groups saying well, we want to no blame culture and then they start pointing at people whereas this it feels much more supportive all the way through if there
0: was if if there was a singular person to blame we would have found them by now (laughs) we've all been looking for a long time this isn't about blame is it this is about how do we continue to strive to do better together always
2: now I'm going to say I've got a comment from Jules hi Jules who says I am absolutely mind blown from the bottom of my heart thank you for those these resources Maternity safety specialist midwife. So, thank you for that, Jules and Leslie Page. Hello, Leslie says, thank you both. Loves this. Yes. Okay, and then we have uh, da, 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 da. Juliet Samuel again from Essex. Could obstetric violence include the language used or the doing to rather than working with? That might be amity.
3: Yes,
2: I think it'd be <laughs> this one. is a short answer.
1: <laughs> obstetric <laughs> violence is often thought of as only physical violence or things that are really, really obviously violent. But just as we know that in domestic abuse, it's not always about it being physical. It can be coercive. It can be psychological. It can be just making someone not feel safe enough to be able to ask for help or to speak up for themselves. So any kind of silencing or using your position of authority in that situation to exert control over someone or to coerce them into, into what you want them to do, essentially, is also a form of obstetric violence. It's not only about physical. Yeah.
2: Mm, That's fabulous. Well, Chris Warren. Hi again, Chris. So does the lack of confidence in physiological birth influence obstetrical violence? That's an interesting one. I'm not sure who'd like to address that. Kay looks
0: thoughtful. I mean, we, we're, we're certainly not going to cover that topic in a minute and a half, are we? I, I think we all know that we live in a world which is divided be, between physiological birth and medicalized birth. And mm-hmm. my my feeling is that we've lost we've lost sight of the magic of the synergy between them both um and mm-hmm. this war that we're waging between us about is it your physiological birth or is it obstetric? Earth that's causing this again it's bringing us back to a place of blame which from my personal work perspective I would say is not serving us for making progress I work with absolutely incredible amazing obstetric professionals and, and people who are delivering care and at the heart of everybody's calling I genuinely believe that we're all looking for safety I don't think that we are anybody's in this work to cause harm or violence and I think that I don't think that the conversation is serving us in, in many ways. And that's not to shut that down. I, I appreciate the question being asked. Mm. I think that um, the focus and the attention that we are putting on the debate in this space is not serving for us to work together in synergy between physiological birth and medicalized birth where that is needed. And that actually we need to be looking at individualised care, personalised care always and what is needed for mm-hmm. that woman and what is needed for that birthing person.
2: And what a perfect way to bring it to to a close because I always say this hour goes so quickly. The only um, question, I had one question from Ursula who wanted to know how to access the emotional safety toolkit. So again, on
0: the resources that I've sent through to you, as soon as you click on the either White Room Alliance or Best Beginnings links to safer beginnings, the emotional safety plan is there. You can download all of the templates, and you can link through to the For Baby Safe Trust, who have got that hosted within their own website space as well. So all on your resources list.
2: Perfect, and also shareable and so accessible. Absolutely fantastic. Well, I want to say a huge thank you to amity and kay for joining us and giving us a flavor and it really is the flavor of the whole program because it's it you can hear that it's massive and it's something that hopefully will influence and support us all in the work we're doing to help women babies and families with their their experiences lovely uh, individualized care we like that and continuity, yes, absolutely. So I'm bringing this to a conclusion now and saying and again, a huge thank you, and thank you also for Deb to doing the questions that are coming through to me, and Amy, who is making sure everything's smooth and everything will come out to all the different platforms, including that podcast six o'clock in the morning on Friday. And also, I will say interestingly, interestingly, given the topic tonight next week we have a research spotlight and we have hazel keedle from australia who's going to be talking about women's experience of obstetric violence and moving from dehumanized violated and powerless to respectful care so very much linked and this is a you know this there's reason for that <laughs> so i hope you'll be able to join us next week for that and also don't forget to book for the Safer Beginnings conference for healthcare professionals, tenth of March in Manchester, um, and if you're in a charity, um, uh, uh, the third of March in London, and then remember the London Maternity Midwifery Festival, seventh of February. Oh, and I think that'll is it, enough to give you as homework. <laughs> but do go and have actually have a look at the baby, the whole package of information with baby buddy and some of the information and links that have been provided on the resources sheet and enjoy and and find it useful because there's a huge amount there for you and in the meantime thank you for joining us and thank you to our lovely participants for joining us and asking such good questions we'll see you next week and in the meantime stay safe stay stay well and we'll see you next week
0: Thank you for joining us for the maternity and midwifery hour this podcast has been made possible by the team at maternity and midwifery forum and our cpd partners matflix you can sign up at matflix.co.uk